Hey, let's take a second to tell you about one of our partners, Dr. Dish. Dr. Dish basketball shooting machines are the most high-tech and durable basketball shooting machines on the market today. Each shooting machine was designed specifically for high-repetition training to allow players to improve through technology. Dr. Dish offers game-like training to give hundreds of shooting reps in just minutes and to provide powerful analytics to help players improve their game. Dr. Dish has also introduced Skill Builder, which is the first of its kind of basketball shooting industry that enables coaches and players to stay connected, design and upload training exercises that combine shooting, conditioning, and ball handling into one complete workout, and instantly receive feedback on their workout, allowing for real-time adjustments and improved performance. It is without question the most innovative basketball training machine on the market. It's been the official shooting machine of Coaching You for the last two years. To learn more about Dr. Dish, log on to drdishbasketball.com or follow them on Twitter at drdishbball. I wanted to announce a new partnership between Coaching You and Inner Zone Sports. You know, for a long time, one of the intangibles by coaches and athletes is team chemistry. And it's a major factor all the time in whether a team has success or failure. When it, the folks from Interzone came to me at Coaching You and said, we can even help your team, I was all ears. And what we did is we took a quick assessment, two to four minutes each person, and we were stunned by what we found out about ourselves and our team. You owe it to yourself to find out what Interzone can do for your team. It's the simplest and fastest and most accurate software available to measure team chemistry. I highly recommend, without any reservation, the use of Interzone with your team, whether you're a middle school, high school, college, or professional team, to help take you to the next level. For further information, go to coachingyoulive.com slash Interzone. That's I-N-N-E-R-Z-O-N-E. Hey, welcome to another edition of our Coaching You podcast with the coach, Brendan Sir. Uh, really excited that Will Wade, the head basketball coach at LSU, uh, who's just done an amazing job here, uh, is our guest today. And I think, you know, as you're listening to this, uh, the day before Thanksgiving, uh, they're going to be playing in Orlando in the AdvoCare tournament uh, this weekend with a great field down there so uh, you know we were able to catch him before he jumped on a plane and I think you know uh, just you're going to find out this is a terrific coach who's done an amazing job recruiting coaching uh, and building programs and he's done it everywhere he's been from as an assistant you know all the way up now as a head coach. So I think you're really going to enjoy that. Also, I want to remind you that, uh, you know, as we're getting into the famous weekend uh, post-Thanksgiving, uh, which is Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and all that good stuff, we have two things that we want to remind you of. Uh, for those that are, uh, want to still and get my PhD in coaching course, which is about the art of coaching, has nothing to do really with basketball. It's about coaching. So if you know if you want to make sure you you get this, the bonuses that we have over seven hundred dollars in bonuses, they are going away Monday at midnight. Okay, the special price of ninety seven dollars 
going away at midnight on Monday, Cyber Monday. So please take advantage of this incredible price, these amazing bonuses, so you don't lose out. Also, uh, we always do a special at this time for coaching you videos. So those of you that want to get any of our videos, go to coachingyou.tv, coachingyou.tv. You'll get 40% off of all of our videos. So if you won last summer, the $249 for the 15 videos with the 10 MBA coaches, that's $150. And then if you want any of our individual videos, which are $25, they're only $15, only from Friday to Monday. Take advantage of that. Happy holidays. And for those of you that want to get this 40% off, make sure uh, to redeem this at checkout. Go to a promo code and enter in SAVE40, S-A-V-E 40. SAVE40 is your promo code. And at checkout, you'll get 40% off. When we come back from this timeout, let's listen to Will Wade. Pass Model Sports is the world's most versatile basketball coaching software to help power your preparation. Fast Model has developed the industry's best coaching software, including the number one play diagramming and playbook software, FastDraw. FastDraw bridges the gap between whiteboarding and the digital world with an incredibly easy-to-use interface that can be used on both your computer and your iPad, providing maximum portability for your own personal play and drill database. doesn't stop there. Along with FastDraw, they have other great programs such as FastScout, which I have used, which helps coaches create clean professional sky reports customized for your team. FastModel is trusted and used by every NBA team and WNBA team and 85% of Division I college teams and over 8,000 high school and youth teams from over 75 countries around the world. In addition to a great product, they also provide basketball coaching resources through their blog and play bank, which features over 5,000 free plays and drills for their online coaching community. For access... To these plays and more information, visit FastModelSports.com or follow them on Twitter at FastModel. So excited today to have as our guest on our Coaching You podcast, Will Wade, the head coach at LSU. Will, thanks so much for being with me. Thanks for having me on, Coach, sir. Uh, listen, uh, I am. we go back, uh, gosh, 10, 11 years now uh, when you were on the staff joining Shaka Smart and Kevin Eastman and I came and spent uh, a weekend with you guys at VCU and it's the first time I ever got an opportunity to visit with you. And I, I think back to that weekend often and I said to myself, what a coaching staff you guys had there with yourself, Mike Jones, Mike Rhodes, and Shaka. What an experience for you, huh? Yeah, it was awesome. We had We had a... Uh, a phenomenal staff. Uh, Mike Jones is now the head coach at, at Radford, and uh, Mike Rhodes is uh, back at VCU, and then mm-hmm. I'm, I'm here at LSU at Shaka's at Texas. But we had a great, uh, great staff. We had great chemistry. Um, everybody played their role um, extremely well. Nobody uh, cared who got any credit. Everybody, we were just all there trying to work hard and and uh, and, and and win. And it was a really good balance. You know, Mike Jones was. He had been around. He had come from the University of Georgia, and I was a I was a younger guy. I'd been at Harvard, and I'd been with Shaka before at uh, at Clemson, and then 
you know, Mike Rhodes was a local guy, so he yeah. knew the he knew the area uh, locally really well, and uh, was a really really good X's and O's and basketball guy. And so uh, the the pieces fit really well. Coach Smart did a great job uh, fitting the pieces together. I know he used you uh, some with your um, yeah. with your strength finder stuff uh, to uh, to help fit the staff together, and it was a uh, really, really good staff. Maybe the best staff I've, I've been a part of. Yeah, you know, I, I often look back and you see, and you see it in football or basketball, you see some coaching staffs where the head coach now is a very famous person, and you look back and see the people that they had working under him. And I always find it uh, fascinating, uh, and it's really insightful to see that a person. Uh, you know, when they hire really good people, they're not threatened around that. I remember Chuck Daly once said to me, he said, uh, my old, his philosophy, which I think was frankly bullshit, was never hire anyone unless they're better than he was. And that was BS, you know, because he was so good. And uh, But I, I think that is, you know, we're in, I think early on in coaching, uh, when I first got in coaching, there was a lot of people that said, oh, I'm, you know, I don't want anyone that's going to threaten me, you know, as, as you took, why did you want to first become a coach? I, I often think, you know, I know your background, you know, coming out of Nashville and stuff and then going to Clemson. Why do you want to become a coach? Well, I actually never intended to be a college coach. Uh, I was going to be a uh, high school history teacher and high school coach just because I uh, come from a family of educators. My mom mm-hmm. was a, a principal for 30 years, wow. and um, uh, I was just going to kind of go into the to the family business and teach. My brother's actually a professor uh, right now, and so uh, you know, that's really what I was going to do. And then Oliver Purnell, who I was a manager for at Clemson, said, Look, if if you're going to be a teacher, let me, you know, why don't you stay around and be a graduate assistant for me? And uh, at least we'll get you a graduate degree so you make a little bit more money as a teacher. How about that? And um, uh, I was uh, halfway into my graduate degree, and the uh, uh, basketball operations guy uh, left for another job. And Coach Purnell said, uh, well, why don't you just move up into ops? And, and I've, I've really stayed with it ever since then. I, I really. Um, yeah, you realize that you can impact lives at different levels. I, I really thought high school was where I wanted to be. And then uh, once you get into college, you realize you can have some of the same impacts uh, in college maybe that you could have in high school. And so that's really how I got into it. I didn't really have any intention of uh, staying at the college level. And I, had, I didn't really have any intention of of doing this. And then you get into it and you enjoy it and you enjoy being around the guys and you enjoy uh, building teams. and uh, you just kind of you, you stick with it, so it was uh, a little bit by uh, by chance that I, that I'm uh, that I was able to move through the ranks and and uh, and stay in this position. You know, I don't want to kind of get you off to a downer today, as you know things are going so well for you. But my mom, when she was 93, and she's since passed, and she said to me one day, you know, uh, you know, w- we sent you to college so that you would be a high school teacher and coach, and after. She said, you know, you've been a little bit of a disappointment. You never coached in, and taught in high school. I said, Mom, but I, I, I've been in the NBA for 30 years, and I've been in college for 30. Yeah, but, you know, that's not why we sent you to college. So, <laughs> so, you know, expect that maybe at Christmas or Thanksgiving, you know. But yeah. but it is so funny, you know, that, you know. But, you know, when the people of influence, you've been around great people, you know, your entire career. Uh, give me some of the people our listeners, some of the people of influence to you? 
Yeah, I mean, I've worked for I've worked for awesome people. I mean, the biggest, you know, the biggest is Oliver Purnell. Mm-hmm. Uh, I worked for him. He's 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 retired now, but he's the one who gave me the shot as the graduate assistant uh, at Clemson, and um, I really owe everything uh, to him. I'd have never met Shaka Smart if it wasn't for him. You know, it's just it's crazy how, how how things work. But you know, he was the best program organizer I've ever seen. Uh, you know, he built programs at some places that were very, very difficult to build programs. He won it at Radford. He won at uh, Old Dominion. He won at uh, Dayton. Mm-hmm. And then he won at Clemson. He left for DePaul and would have won there if he had a little bit of bad luck there at DePaul with with, with, with one, one player. But, um, you know, watching him build the program there and just his steady hand and his, he's the most positive coach I've ever been around in my life. Um, his positivity just seeped through the program and it was almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy how positive he was i never forget we just lost we just lost a game at clemson we just lost to virginia at home and uh uh you know we were down virginia was a good acc team but not you know certainly not at the (laughs) top and we had north carolina next we were in the coach's locker room after the game and he looked. He said, "I can see it now. We're going to beat North Carolina on Saturday." And you're just sitting there going, "Coach, are you serious? We just got beat by Virginia. How are we going to beat North Carolina?" But that's. I mean, that's just. That's just how he was with with how uh, you know how serious he was uh, about uh, his craft and, and and how he ran the program and how confident he was and how he did it. But he was always um, unbelievably positive, and because of that really good things happened. He was able to take Clemson to, to four or five straight NCAA tournaments and just did a, a, a phenomenal job. And from there, I worked for a guy, Tommy Amaker, who's still at Harvard. And uh, I worked for him his first couple of years at Harvard. He's done a, a, a great job at Harvard. Uh, maybe one of the only people in the country that could turn that program into what it is uh, today. And um, I really learned uh, recruiting from Coach Amaker. I mean, he he he, he did a he, he did a great job and still does a great job to recruitment and uh, telling a story and being able to get to people and reach people and touch people. Um, you know, I, I, I was just in awe. I'd sit in those home visits with him and I'd just be, you know, he'd have the parents crying. You'd be the assistant coach. You'd be sitting there kind of crying too, going, he told, he told, you know, he, he told such a compelling uh, story and had such a compelling uh, way about him. And so um, I really enjoyed working for him for two years. And then uh, I worked for, for coach smart uh, yep. for four years when, when we were together at VCU. And what I really, you know, learned from him is how to, how to um, handle the players, how to deal with the players, how to reach the players, how to spend time with the players, how important that is, how that's more important maybe than X's and O's and, and, and what you're doing on the court is, is, is how you're treating them off the court. And, you know, some of the stuff, I joke with him all the time now, you know, some of the stuff I used to laugh about him doing and make, you know, now I'm doing it with my team. You know, he, we had a, we had a kid on our team that he would meditate with before the games. I used to tell coach, you know, forget the meditation, man. He just needs to play well. Like, don't worry about it. Don't, you know, and now I've got a, now I've got a mindfulness coach with our team and we meditate before practice, you know I mean? So, so a lot of the stuff that, you know, as an assistant, you think, you know, it all, but, but, um, a lot of the stuff that, that he uh, that he did uh, with the guys to, to to help the guys not only for basketball but help the guys in life. Um, I learned just a ton for him from him with that and the importance of the player relationship 
relationship and spending time with them and having your staff spend time with them and having people on your staff that can that can get to the players. I think that's um, that's something I, I I really took from him. So I really, you know, I, I learned overall program structure from Coach Purnell, a lot of the recruiting structure from Coach Amaker, and then the uh, you know just just the player structure and, and how to deal with players um, from from Coach Smart, and then you. You put your own little, mm-hmm. put your own little spice on it, and you, you you go with it from there. You know, I think uh, one of the things that you mentioned, uh, you know, when you're putting a staff together, you know, I remember Shaka was at Florida with Billy Donovan before he got the VCU job, and uh, I was working with Billy as his quote unquote personal coach. Not that he needed a lot of help by any means, but you know, I lived an hour and a half away, and so we would you know, go up and spend a ton of time with him on the phone with him. But every time I'd go there, when Billy would be tied up, the assistants, whether it be shy or, or, you know, Donnie Jones or, uh, you know, Shaka, you know, they would, they would, uh, come by, we'd talk. And even though Shaka was only there for a year, I remember him calling me up and saying, VCU people want to interview me. Should I do it? And I said, yeah, sure. Why not? And I thought they were just being nice to him, you know. Right. And, and he goes, well, I don't know if I should ask Billy because I've only been here a year. I said, no, Billy will be happy for you. Just go and ask him. And Billy, of course, said yes. And then he called me up a few days later. He said, I think they're going to hire me. And I said, oh, my God, poor kid. He's so delusional. He thinks he's going to get this job. And, my God, he got the job. It's Was he 31 at the time or 32? He was, yeah, he was 31. Yeah. He was 31. And he called me the he called me and I thought I thought the same thing. He I'm said, I think I'm getting the job. You gonna you could be my assistant? I said, uh yeah, so sure. I'd love to be I'd love to be your assistant, but let's make sure we get the job first. And and, and the beauty was uh, then to put together a staff. When you're yet that young and you've been through this, you know, you don't have a frame of reference of all these people that you'd say, Hey, when I become a head coach at thirty one, let me hire these guys and and Kevin Eastman actually was the person for Mike Rhodes because Kevin had been the AD there at his uh, school. And uh, and Kevin recommended him. I didn't know who Mike was. And and it turned out to be very good. Uh, Mike Jones, I did not know, even though he was at Georgia, turned out to be excellent. And you turned out to be incredible. And he, and he covered every one of the bases that really need to be covered. So now when you get your job, first of all, <laughs> When you were there and you did a terrific job, but now when do you know, and this is really for our listeners, when do you know that you're ready to be a head coach? <laughs> well, you always think you're ready to be a head coach, uh, but you know, you never, you know, it's tough. You never know. You, right. you just got to, once you, once you slide over, you just, you know, you really, you really figure it out. And, um, you know, I, 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 I said, uh, I said, sent Shaka a note after I got my first job at Chattanooga and I said I was a terrible assistant I thought I was a good (laughs) assistant here's 10 things I'd have done totally different and it's almost it's almost like in reverse all assistant coaches should be head coaches first you'd be a much better assistant if you're a head coach first that's good Um, because the stuff that you think matters as an assistant really doesn't matter that much to the head coach right and the stuff that you don't think matters matters a whole lot to the to the head coach and so um you know really knowing you're ready for a head coach i don't know if you're 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 ready you just got to be as prepared as you can be 
and you've got to you've got to have your you know your your overall philosophy of what you're going to try to do, and then you know you're going to fine tune it. It's not gonna it's not going to go perfectly. Um, I'll never forget my first my first year at Chattanooga. We had come from VCU and we pressed and, and, you know, that's, that's what we did. And we created a lot of turnover. So that's what I knew and that's what I was going to do. So I said, you know, we're going to press. And so we, we were, we were just getting killed. And, um, I never forget uh, after the bus ride, uh, we gotten just, dr- we just, we just gotten just drug at, uh, Northern Kentucky, uh, on a Sunday afternoon. I mean, we, we got beat 30 at Northern Kentucky. And I, I was sitting on the bus. I was thinking, my gosh, what was I thinking? I should have just stayed at VCU. Why did I even take this job? But then I was also sitting there going, we're just, I mean, we got to change what we do. And it was right before the holiday break. And so we were able to, we spent the whole holiday break changing to, because I still knew within the philosophy that I wanted to press because that's what I'd sold the people at Chattanooga on, that we were going to press. But instead of a, you know, run and jump man and a diamond press we we, we backed off into a two 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 one and mm-hmm. more of a tempo press and played a matchup zone the rest of the year we ended up winning 10 or 12 straight games after that and um you know so you you, you have to have your basic philosophy but be able to um adjust within the within that philosophy and one of my assistants actually who i hired who had been a head coach i kind of used the same same formula that Coach Smart had used because Coach Rhodes had been a head coach. None of the rest of us on staff had been a head coach. He thought it was important to have yeah. somebody who had been a head coach. And I hired a guy, Wes Long, who had been a d- successful Division II head coach. And he had played the 2-2-1 back to the matchup zone. And um, so he was able to install that. And I got out of the way. And, and you know, wasn't what I wanted to do. It was what was going to help us win. And it's something that we've used. I still use it to this yeah. day. Uh, here at LSU, I used it at VCU. I had a assistant at VCU, Rasheen Davis, who had worked for Rick Patino, so he kind of fine tuned some other parts of it that that that, that we didn't know about. And um, you know, you still you still uh, you still use it. But um, like I said, you, you everybody thinks they're ready, and until you, until you get it, you've got to start. It's just the amount. I tell people all the time, say, "What's the biggest difference between being an assistant coach?" And the biggest difference is the amount of small decisions you have to make every day. And the small decisions you make affect a, a whole group of people, not just your players, but your assistants, their families, your athletic trainer, his families, your academic advisor, his, their families. Like it affects everybody. And, and you just have, you know, hundreds of small decisions you have to make that you don't even think about as an assistant coach with practice times and jerseys and media. I mean, just every little thing. And so you, you have to be very, very disciplined. Uh, in your day to make sure that you allow time for the things that matter most, which is your players and your team and, and that sort of thing. If you don't do that, you'll get bogged down in all the other stuff. So when I'm playing in high school, I'm playing in New Jersey for UB Brown. That's my high school coach, right? And, and then, and so I've known Chuck Daly since I'm 14 years old, 15 years old from basketball camps where, you know, that's where kids used to go back then to learn basketball, right? Not now, but, uh, and so I remember going to work for Chuck and I'm probably 37 at the time with the Pistons. And I'm like of the mindset that every decision you make, you're a, you're right. A hundred percent of the time or 95% of the time. The first week I'm with Chuck, he says, you better understand this. Every decision you make, the best you're ever going to be is 50, 50 on it. And I went, what? He goes, yeah, you're going to be right half the time only, no matter what the decision is. And I'll tell you what, Will, Will, it's amazing. It's 
he has been so right on that uh, because I think a lot of us make decisions thinking we're never wrong. I know as a parent, I did, we did, but but as a coach, it it's so closer to fifty fifty. You know, should I put uh, Isaiah Thomas back in the game and take Vinnie Johnson out, who just made six straight shots? Put him back in. Isaiah goes zero for seven. You know, you're putting a Hall of Famer back in. It's a no brainer, except. It's not always going to be like that. So I think, you know, decision-making, that's one of the best things I ever, you know, heard when you said that about small decisions influence so many, you know. I think that's that's really brilliant, you know. When you decided to go from VCU to UT Chattanooga, uh, a terrific job, as it turns out, and a really good stepping stone for Matt McCall after you, but... Uh, how did you know, or did you say this could be a good job? How does how did you process that? You know, there's a um, I knew the women's coach at Chattanooga very well, Jim Foster. He's a Hall of Famer, terrific famer. coach, very very yeah. very very good coach. He, t- he helped us with our zone too. He's a very very good zone coach. He helped us with our zone that year at Chattanooga too. He, <laughs> we used to have him come watch practice, and he would help us. But uh, long story short, I knew him a long time from from. Uh, when he was at Vanderbilt and had unbelievable success at Vanderbilt took them to the final four. Right. And, um, uh, you know, he, uh, he, he had talked to me about the job and, and, you know, he always told me, he's always told me this. And I think this is true. He said, don't take a job where there's not a lot of banners and letters. And I said, what do you mean by that coach? He said, they've got to have had success before. He said, if they haven't had success before the nine other coaches that didn't have success, they weren't bad coaches. There's something really wrong that you're not going to be able to overcome. And uh, I, thought, I said, you know, I said, you know, what? that makes a lot of sense, coach. And um, my, my point is Chattanooga has won, had won 10 Southern Conference championships. They've been extremely, extremely successful. Um, they, they were probably before they added some teams to the league with East Tennessee State coming back and Mercer and some other teams. It was, it was the most, it was, you know, traditionally one of the top two programs in the SOCON and they just hit some rough times. And so I, you know, I thought, uh, thought this is a great, a great, uh, a great opportunity for us. I said this, you know, this place has been really, really good. They've been to the sweet 16 in 1997. So they, they'd had some success under Mac McCarthy. And, uh, you know, I knew that there, that the nuts and bolts were there, uh, for it to be a really good, program and so we just needed to get in there and roll our sleeves up because they had been good before the community supported it the administration really supported it and then it was just time to get in there and try to get it back as close to we could as what it had been and set it up and and um i just i just i've kind of taken that philosophy with me to every job that hey don't don't go somewhere where they've where where they haven't uh they haven't won before because you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to do it. As good as you think you are, that's what he always would do. As good as you think you are, you're not going to be able to be the one that that makes it happen most likely. And I thought that I thought I think there's a lot of truth there's, in that. As you that's look really at jobs. sound, really sound. I think you know. So when you went back to VCU, that was when Shaka left, correct? <laughs> correct. Yeah, yeah, that was try taking over for him. <laughs> yeah, t- always good to replace a legend. I, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was something else. But they, hey, it fit the philosophy. They had won. They'd been to five straight, five or six straight NCAA tournaments, so they had won. So yeah, no, no, you, you used your principles and stuff. But an an amazing place, I think. You know, from when the first time I ever went up there it was the first time I ever went there was when I met you guys, uh, and you know the old Franklin Street gym. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, uh, amazing place, and uh, you know. 
and the Seagull Center was a nice facility, and uh, they drew pretty well, right? And But oh. now it's insane up there, the facility that they practice in, the Seagull Center, since you went up there, you know, you got that thing rolling from Shaka where you just sold out every night and stuff. How, how does, you know, to do it at that level, now they're A-10, going from the CAA, how hard is that to take a program at that level and make it really a good one? Yeah, I, I, I tell people all the time, it's it's a lot easier to take a program that's a little bit down like Chattanooga and build it up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you get a little bit more patience, you get a little bit more time, you can, you know, you can, you, you, you can just, you can be patient and, and go with things. You know, when I took over VCU, it's like, here's the keys to a Lamborghini, keep driving it fast and keep it between the lines, don't throw it in the ditch. Um and so, and so, you know, you, 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 you have, you want to keep the NCAA tournament streak going. And so you just have to, um, you know, you're just building a team every year and trying to, trying to keep things, trying to keep things, uh, trying to keep things going. And so it's a tough spot because I'd worked for coach smart. I knew a lot of the players. I knew almost all the players, uh, that were there. I was very close with, with, with some of them and, and, um, you know, it's different when you're an assistant coach and when you're the head coach with yeah. how you deal with the players and how they look at you. It's just, it's just a totally different uh, relationship. And so, you know, that was, that was uh, something that I, I didn't really, I don't think I'd thought through enough how to manage all that when I got there. And it's, it, it worked out, it worked out well, but, but I made some mistakes. Um, I made some mistakes there um, as, I, uh, as I came in probably too much as an assistant coach and not enough as the head coach uh when i when, when i took the job there but um it's you know it's it's a phenomenal job the resources are tremendous because there is no football they care they, they, they love basketball the city loves basketball and um you know it's a it's a it's the capital of, of the state of virginia the commonwealth of virginia and so there's you know just a lot of interest uh there's a lot of interest there, but it's a it's a very unique program. It's a great program. They're off to a good start this year. I still follow them and cheer for them. And, and um, you know, it's a it's a it's a really really um, good place. But you know, there it's a it's a pressure cooker. You know, they want to win, they expect to win, and they've invested to the point where um, you know they should win. Right. And so you know, you've got to go in there and you got to go in there and win. You know when. Uh... You know, as a disclaimer for any of the listeners that don't know, of course, I was at LSU prior to uh, you coming in there uh, with Johnny Jones and stuff. And when uh, we got let go, uh, Eddie Nunez, uh, incredible senior associate AD at the time, a great basketball guy, came to me and said, do you have any names? And I put your name at the top of the list and stuff. And didn't ask you for a finder's fee on that, but uh, but you know, I, but uh, you know, I, I thought they needed someone like yourself uh, that would come in here and really, really energize this place. And in the year and a half or so that you've been here, you've totally captured Baton Rouge because I still live here, and of course, uh, the people, the people here are really enthused about the program and really enthused about you and everything that you're doing with it. And so, congratulations for that. But you saw something from outside and you never know any place it's like you never know a player till you coach him and you never know a place till you work there but what did you see on the outside that interest piqued your interest in lsu will well it goes back to goes back to what we were talking about with coach foster 10 mm-hmm. sec titles and 21 ncaa tournaments four final fours it had, it had been done mm-hmm. it had been done and so i saw a lot of um 
similarities to kind of how the University of Florida was um, and how they've turned into a big time, big time, you know, an elite basketball program. And I think LSU has a lot of those similar qualities and we just need to, you know, we just, we just, we just need to continue to work and continue to, to, uh, to, to bring those qualities out. I also like the fact that, you know, there was no other high major school in state. Um, you know, it was really tough when you're at a place like VCU, you're in the Atlantic 10, which is an unbelievable league, but you've got, you know, you've got the University of Virginia, you've got Virginia Tech, those two, mm-hmm. two schools are to your east, you go up to D.C. to recruit, you've got Georgetown in the Big East, you've got Maryland up there in the Big Ten, then you go two hours south and you've got all the triangle ACC schools down there in NC State, Duke, Carolina, you got Wake Forest about three hours, you know, it was just everywhere you looked, you were squeezed and recruiting, and it was hard to it was harder, harder, and harder to find to find those find the kids that you needed, and and uh, I think you know with Louisiana, we're the only high major school in Louisiana, and, and as you know from being down here, almost everybody who grows up in Louisiana loves LSU, yep. and then we've also got a huge recruiting base in Houston and Dallas, which are not far, and so I just think uh, you know I thought the the recruiting base was really really good, and, and that the program had an had an opportunity. Um, to grow and and be great because the people down here support it. The people down here love a winner, as you know. Ooh, and uh, when you when you win, they they, they come. That's what everybody says with well, football and baseball. Well, yeah, it's a football and baseball because they've won really at a really really high level in those sports. And um, you know, so far this year, our crowds have been great. We've had almost every crowd over ten thousand or right around ten thousand for four non conference games. So it's been it's been uh, tremendous, and uh, I feel. Um, I feel like the best is yet to come for the program as we move forward. I've never seen a state, you know, again, growing up in Jersey, living all over the country in the NBA and having lived in Orlando for 20 years prior to coming here. I've never seen a place like Louisiana, like you said. I've not met a kid here that doesn't want to go to LSU, no matter who they are, whether they're an athlete or not. It's just a fabulous place. It dominates. And having lived in Florida, you know, there were people that loved Gainesville, they love the University of Florida, they love Florida State, they like, you know, Miami, now they like UCF, <laughs> you know, but there's a, there's like, you know, so many, so many schools there, uh, but this place, boy, it is something else, and uh, and recruiting is a lifeline for everything, you know, I, I know you're recruiting, and it gets so much, so much notoriety, but I know it's from your work, great work ethic, and, you know, and Talk about some of the things that you learned from Tommy and how do you implement that now to Louisiana, uh, to LSU and, and going out. And we had we did not I, I like that you have a very wide recruiting base. We were very regionalized here when I was here. Uh, but I really think this has a you know, a nationwide brand and that's what you're utilizing. What was your Yeah, no, LSU I've been shocked at just you know, what you said, the national brand, you know, because of Shaq, because of Ben Simmons, who you guys coached and did a, I mean, everybody, everybody knows, uh, everybody knows LSU. And, you know, the main thing is finding people that have a tie back to Louisiana. Um, mm. cause a lot of people have been displaced, uh, for whatever reason from, and, and almost all of them want to come back. And so a lot of, a lot of the, um, the kids we recruit, even if they're all over the country, have some sort of natural tie uh, back to the state, back to Louisiana, have family here, have friends. You know, we use the football team a lot. A couple of our kids have friends that are on the football team uh, who are recruited by football. And so we just try to try to find those those pockets 
uh, all over the country. And then, and then, um, you know, as you know, when you, when you bring them down here for the football weekends, bring them down here and they get a taste of the, of the culture and just how great the people are and how nice everybody is and welcoming everybody is. Um, it's very, very impactful. You don't have to do a whole lot of selling because it really, really sells itself. Yeah, I mean, I used to go to the University of Florida games every now and then, and it's very impressive. But when I came here and saw a game, it was like that was a junior varsity game compared to what happened here at Tiger Stadium. I've never seen anything like it anywhere. Uh, and it's legendary what happens on an evening game, you know. And I'm I'm sitting at home last night watching, you know, a blowout against Rice because – my daughter went to LSU, Will, and as a gymnast, and so my wife has not missed a Tiger game in about 12 years. She, dress, <laughs> she dresses up in purple and gold. Our, our five dogs got little LSU sweaters on, and we got to sit there. It doesn't matter who they play, and they, she is there cheering like crazy, you know, and, and it's fantastic. I mean, that's the following that you have here, and I agree with you. You get them here on a recruiting weekend. Uh, you know, if you don't get excited for this, I don't know what the heck's going to get you. I love your style of play, and I think that has a lot to do with, you know, the success you're having recruiting. Tell our listeners what you believe in basketball-wise. Well, we're pretty simple. Um, you know, a lot of people would disagree with me on this, but I don't, you know, we're a little bit freewheeling on offense. Um, if you're going to hold them accountable, for playing hard on defense and some of the stuff that you hold them accountable for on defense. I believe you have to give them freedom on offense. I don't believe you can just be bare down on both ends of the court. They have to have somewhere where they can breathe. And so, uh, you know, we take probably some some poor shots, but we try to make up for that being a really, really good uh, offensive rebounding team. Um, but, uh, you know, offensively, it's it's a lot of lot, lot more free-flowing with some a lot of ball screen concepts. Um, I know, you know, we run a lot of horn stuff, which is something that you're very familiar with. Um, and, um, you know, defensively, you know, that's where we spend a majority of our time trying to get better uh, defensively. And we hold our guys accountable for, you know, checkouts and rotations and ball screen coverages and, and that sort of thing. So that that's what really kind of draws our ire. And then one thing that we spend an a inordinate amount of time on is, is special teams, uh, free throw situations, a, a lot of this, anything that comes out of a huddle or a timeout, we try to, you know, we feel like that's a chance for us to be more organized than the other team, for us to be better than the other team. And so we try to, we, we spend a lot of time on that in, um, in practice, usually 15, 20 minutes a day in practice, just on all that sort of stuff. And then, uh, added in that's with some late game situations. So we try to be as organized as we can uh, on that stuff. And because our offense is, is fairly uh, fairly simple. That gives us a lot of time, frees a lot of time and practice uh, to spend on that. You know, I love what you're doing this year with three point guards. I think that I think you win with guards, and and you got three terrific ones. I mean, Waters, I love him. Skylar Mays, we were lucky enough to recruit. He's one of the best human beings and has just improved as a player. He is so good and just a great kid, great family. Uh, and Javante, we've known since his sophomore year, I just love him. But the concept of, uh, you know, you have a lot of good guards, but using those three together, what was your mindset with that? Well, we only turned the ball over seven times in our last game. So the first, you know, uh, my first mindset is, you know, I want to turn the ball over 10 or less time, 10 or fewer times a game. Mm. I think, 
if you if you if you if you get a lead in theory now, if you get a lead and you've got three point guards out there majority of the time, you should be very difficult to come back on because you're you're going to get a pretty good shot each possession in theory. Um, and you know, I, I just like the you know we we run a lot of on ball screens, and anytime you got three guys that can make a play off an on ball screen out there at guard, sometimes if you play a more traditional three. You know, that guy's not going to be as good of a ball handler. There's going to be some limitations there on what he can do on the on-ball screen. And so um, even at VCU, I played two point guards together. I started that my first year at VCU. And then when we got here, and um, you know, you, you got to take the most talented guys you can get. It's not like we're going to turn down Javante Smart because we had two other guards. So, sure. you know, you got to – it's almost – you got to make it work. And if you're if, – if three of your best guards or three point guards or if play point guard and let's make it work and um you know with all the on-ball action they each get a chance to use use ball screens uh quite a bit each each game and um you know it's been it's been it's been good for us so far so hopefully we'll continue to refine it as the as the season goes on and, and continue to uh improve and get better with it but i like uh I like the early returns. Yeah, no, I do. And, uh, and I, again, I love when you come with the, you know, if you want to call it, I don't want to call it really a smaller unit, but with Williams up front. And then, of course, Nas Reed uh, is a very, very gifted kid. But you have some really uh, guys with some bounce that can play up front. And I think in the college game, that quickness uh, that they play with is so hard to compete against. Yeah, I think somebody like Williams, I think people get caught up in height. I worry more about wingspan. And, you know, he's only about 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, but he's got about a 7'3", 7'4", wingspan. And wow. so I think that's more important because you're playing vertical to the rim. You can be 6'10", if, you, if your wingspan's not that much. I mean, you know, Williams can be a little bit bigger than you if your wingspan's not that much getting to the rim. So I think, I think you know, I think that's, that's important. And then uh, I think in the college game, even maybe in the program, you would know more about that than me, but – you know, having a four man who can make shots, we've got Nas Reed, we've got uh, Darius Days, you know, you, having a having a four out there who can make shots and space the floor. That that court gets awfully small if you've got two guy two bigger guys out there who can't who can't make shots. I think it's a lot easier to guard and the spacing's not as good. And so, you know, being able to have, have those guys uh, who, who can stretch the floor and make shots. You got to go out there with them. It creates those driving lanes for, for those guards to, to, to get into the paint. Uh, I, I agree so much. And I, I love the energy that your team plays with. And uh, again, uh, I think this is, you know, when, when you get these fans coming like they can, uh, it becomes a terrific home court advantage. And I, I can't wait to watch the rest of the year. I want to compliment you on one of the things that, you know, happened this year. The first day I, uh, I ever came on campus to interview to come here with Johnny, uh, the first three people I ever meet are Wade Sims and his mom and dad. How about that? You know, they're over wow. jo Johnny's house when I'm going over to interview with him. And they're there because they're related to him. And they're just, and he just, and so I shake his hand. I meet him. He's going to be a, he's going to be a rising senior. And it's a, it's July uh of that year and I, I i say hi to his dad didn't really recognize him at the time i remember him as a player but didn't really expect him to be there and uh you know and it, it the irony uh, it turns out so you know i get to coach him his uh, freshman year and uh you know and i thought you handled his un you know just the tragedy that went around him uh like there's nothing that ever prepares you as a coach i've never had a player 
that I ever had that was murdered. I've had players die on me for different reasons, you know, not actually when I coached them, but afterwards. But I never had that. And I thought the the soft hands that you dealt with uh, this extraordinary situation was masterful. And I know that's not the compliment you want to hear right now, but you just reacted so you, that leadership just came out in you. What happened, of course, when you get that incredible phone call and how do you handle that? Because I, I know our listeners, you know, they don't know Wade like you did. But, uh, you know, if you could talk to that a little bit. Yeah, it was, you know, I'll never forget my phone rang at 12.57. You look at it and it's one of your players and, you know, this is not good. I'd just gotten back mm-hmm. from the SEC meetings earlier that day. and um, You know, you go down to the hospital and, and, and get the news with the family and then, um, you know, then it's kind of crisis management mode from there. You know, not all of our guys do. And so we, um, we had practice planned for early in the morning, that Friday morning. And, um, you know, that's when we, um, deliver the news, uh, to them. And then, you know, like you said, there's no manual. You just have to, to do it by, by feel. And you've got a lot of different guys on your team who have, you know, some of my guys had, had been through multiple situations like this, not with a teammate, but with friends and family. And, you know, I've got some guys on my team. This was the first time they've lost somebody close to them mm-hmm. in this way. And so, you know, everybody's at a different, uh, different stage of grieving. So you have to be cognizant of that early on. And then as, as we continue, I mean, we, this is something we deal with um, continually and something's on our minds, um, continually. And so, um, you know, as, like you said, there's no manual for it and you just, you, you, you do a lot by feel. Well, I, was, I was fortunate. I was talking about Oliver Purnell, um, a mentor of mine. He had a kid pass away during the season in his sleep, which is a little bit different, mm. but he was very good. Bobby Johnson, the former Vanderbilt football coach, he had a yeah. kid who was the SEC freshman of the year, a running back who was murdered at home over holiday break. Jeez. So he was a good resource. And then um, uh, Bob Delaney, somebody you're familiar with, very an NBA official. Yeah. He's, uh, for lack of a better term, he works with the military on post-traumatic stress. He's yeah. an expert. I've called him an expert, but he wouldn't call himself an expert, but I would um, on that. And so he's been really, really good with our team and with my staff and helping us handle it. But like you said, Wade, the tough, toughest part is Wade grew up in Baton Rouge. Everybody knew him. Everybody on our program loved him. You know how it is. Being a part of a team, you got some guys who are kind of by themselves. I mean, he, he crossed into every group and it's not just our team, our, our athletic, our, our athletic trainer who's tremendous. You know, they were really close. Our academic advisor who's outstanding. They were really, you know, he was close with everybody. And so it wasn't just your players. It was, um, you know, he used to go to dinner about once a month with, my wife and daughter and I just wow. us and them. I mean, just, so he was just, I mean, he was just, you know, everybody, my wife, I mean, everybody was, was, was really, really, uh, affected, uh, by it. And so that, 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 that was, um, really, really tough. And, and, um, you know, like I said, we're still dealing with it and, and, um, you know, we're still, we're still, um, getting through as, as best we can. And there's certain moments that come up that, 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 uh, that remind us of them and we smile at certain moments come up and, mm-hmm. and we cry a little bit, but that's, that, that's the way it goes. And it's going to be that way. Uh, it's going to be that way for a while here, but just an incredible person and, um, was just, was just doing so, so well and would have been a huge part of our team this year and still is a huge part of our team this year as he, uh, as he looks down on us and helps us move forward here. 
Yeah, no, and I, you know, and I, I just, I just wanted to tell you what a, as an outsider, just such an incredible job that you and everyone connected, Sean Eddie and everyone, and Bobby Delaney. You know, he, he's a, he's a friend of mine that you know we played against each other all the way back to college, and then refereed you know for so many years, and he is just a superstar human being, and. Uh, he, you know, and, and you have to take all those resources in, but Will, uh, you've been magnificent in the way you've handled that. And, uh, I'm so happy for your success at LSU and continued success. And I know your uh, things are going to be great for you. And, uh, and, uh, you know, we're so excited for you and, uh, anything we can do to help, uh, we're here for you, my friend. So good luck, uh, this week, we're going to air this on Wednesday. So you're going to be playing in uh, Orlando the next day. And so uh, have a great trip down there and uh, knock it out of the park, brother. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on, Coach. Thank you, Will. Uh, again, I told you, it's a terrific, terrific listen. This is an amazing coach, a very, very bright guy that has really done a terrific job. Every place he's been, uh, Will Wade is a star in our business. And uh, I, I think you really enjoy what he had to say. Uh, again, I've known him for 10 plus years. He's, uh, been an eye catcher for me since we first met, uh, at VCU on the staff of Shaka Smart. Uh, Hey, a reminder on, uh, the PhD in coaching course, uh, that expires at Monday at midnight, $97 is the price, $700 plus and bonuses. Please take advantage of it. The price is going to go up. The bonuses will expire. Okay. And again, for those of you that want to get our, all of our videos from, uh, that we have, we do a special 40% off. So go to coachingu.tv promo code save 40, save S A V E 40. That's your promo code to get 40% off on all videos. Till next week, this is the coach, Brendan Serve.